Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're covering agriculture from the piney woods of East Texas over to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. Agriculture is a business, of course, and any business can benefit from good record keeping. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, I'll tell you about a new online course being offered by Texas A&M AgriLife. Rainfall may be hard to come by in the coming months. What can ranchers do to mitigate their losses? I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll discuss one option on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. A new educational offering from the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service is designed to help ag producers with their bookkeeping. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. It's very, very important to have good financial records. That's Texas A&M AgriLife Risk Management Specialist D.D. Jones urging producers to take advantage of a training course on QuickBooks accounting software that AgriLife is now offering online. Jones says learning to use QuickBooks can help producers work with their accountants and bankers. Not only does it allow them to make good financial records for this past year, let's say a balance sheet or an income statement, it also has a really good budgeting feature where they can project forward into 2021. The course includes instructional videos on various aspects of accounting, as well as hands-on examples. These are the exact same examples that I worked in my live class. They are all very much related to farming and ranching. The cost of the instruction is $55, and you can find out more about the QuickBooks course and other AgriLife offerings by going to your favorite search engine and entering the term AgriLife Learn. In Amarillo, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fort Worth's economy will take a $110 million hit in 2021 after the cancellation of the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. That's the latest estimate from the city's public events department. The Fort Worth Stock Show's executive committee voted unanimously back in October to cancel the event, which was scheduled for January 15th through February 6th, saying that it posed a significant coronavirus risk. Daily attendance can exceed 140,000 people, with more than 1.2 million between competitors, exhibitors, and attendees over the whole event. There are several tools Texas ranchers can use to reduce their risk in the face of drought, high winds, and other weather factors. Jessica Domel has more. La Nina is expected to bring below-average rainfall and higher-than-normal temperatures in Texas through the end of January. Justin Benavides, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service economist, 
says knowing that ranchers should take action to protect their bottom line. Having that risk management strategy in place is extremely important because we know there is a very good chance of drought going through the beginning of next spring. So to do nothing is to do something, which is to plan for higher costs for your forages, potentially lower yields on your animals because of lower forage availability. So if you do nothing, you are doing something which is preparing for lower returns on average. In a webinar hosted by the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association, Benavidez said one way ranchers can mitigate their risk is through pasture rainfall forage insurance. It's designed to help you prepare your operation and protect it from the risk of forage loss due to lack of precipitation. It's not really tailored to what your actual yields are on any crops. It's not like crop insurance where you go and you put historic yields in and get some sort of return based on historic yields. It is simply taking average rainfall over time, comparing current rainfall to that historic rainfall and indemnifying you if you don't receive adequate rainfall. So it uses that rainfall index to determine precipitation over time and what you're expecting precipitation should be in a month and lets you hedge essentially your rainfall and pay for insurance to indemnify you in the case that your rainfall is not going to meet the levels you've expected. There are different choices to tailor rainfall insurance to fit your operation. Grazing versus hay production, we're going to choose a different coverage level. There's different options on the index interval, that being what months you choose to insure. Uh, You're going to want to insure those months that are most important for your operation in terms of forage production. There's the option of of irrigated practices. And you can also modify this by a productivity factor. So, you know, multiplying it by 1% or 0.9% or even higher than 1% in some cases to allow you to modify that overall yield and indemnify yourself slightly higher because of the yield on your forage over time. This essentially is saying that you typically have higher yield than the county average or something along those lines. PRF is not based on county borders. Instead, it puts your ranch land or grazing area within a grid smaller than your county and measures the rainfall within that grid. Benavidez says the goal is not to make money, but rather mitigate the risks you could suffer in drought. This is a risk management tool that prevents you from losing money and helps you on the input side. So again, the goal of this is not to make money so much as it is to manage your risk over time and lower that burden of costs from having to supplemental feed. That was Justin Benavides from the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Jessica Dommel. The Texas dairy industry continues to grow, with our state now the fifth largest milk-producing state in the country. But we may be outgrowing our processing capacity. So the industry is putting a new supply management program into place this coming spring to help prevent an oversupply. Darren Turley with the Texas Association of Dairymen joins us to talk more about that program. Darren, tell us what it's all about. Well, the dairy industry is putting in a tiered pricing program uh, for spring production. If we uh, go over our certain or our what we consider to be our normal sales levels, uh, we have a program that we can implement that any production over 90% would start seeing a reduction in price. Uh, we have a actually three-tiered, so the second tier goes from about 90 to 92 with a small reduction, but then from 93 up, it's a very uh, extensive reduction in price to where it would be below the cost of producing that milk. So, Darren, what's the purpose of this program? Why are you doing it? Well, we as a dairy industry have grown substantially in Texas and continues to do so uh, year over year. And we've actually just got to the point where we don't have any new growth and new plants or new production facilities. 
And so we're starting to kind of mature as an industry and get, get our sales full with the milk that we produce. So it sounds like the goal of the program is to try to, say, throttle back on production in the spring to keep from flooding the market. Is that the case? Basically, it is. We have a spring push in the dairy industry. It's been that way forever. Uh, you, Based on green grass, and one thing people don't realize is you don't breed as many cows in the summer. The, the Texas heat's hard on reproduction, and that means you breed a lot of cows in the fall, and you have a lot of calves in the spring. When green grass and cool weather goes away and it warms up, we always have an increase in production. So our spring flush, as we call it, is our hard time to manage. And this is one tool we're trying to implement that would help us manage that. So when is this going to go into effect, and how long will it last? Well, it's, we have a committee that oversees it and, and looks at the implementation of it from Dairy Farmers America and Select Milk Producers both. And this would be a springtime endeavor, so it could start uh, as early as January and, and run through till we start seeing probably our summer temperatures climb back up. And it will just depend on the year and how much production we have on the need for the program, but, but that's how it's structured. Uh, is it planned to be a multi-year program, or is this a one-time thing? Uh, the program has three years that it can be implemented right now. We feel like it'll take about that time for a plant to come in and then be built uh, So it's, or for a change. At that time, they can look at extending it forward or changing it or doing away with it. depends on what the committee feels uh, at that time. But we do have three years that would be under the same schedule. Well, Darren, does this program have some kind of fancy name or acronym for it? Not really, not really. We have just, just kind of done it internal through the, the Southwest Agency, which is the marketing group for those co-ops mentioned, and that gives them the ability to work together and, and uh, the whole industry feel the impact of the change. That's Darren Turley with the Texas Association of Dairymen. A recently released survey conducted by the American Farm Bureau suggests that a majority of Americans believe farmers and ranchers are feeding the world in a sustainable way. Chad Smith reports from Washington. Sustainability is an important topic to many Americans in 2020. John Newton, chief economist for the Farm Bureau, says a recent survey found a majority of Americans trust farmers to use sustainable practices. We recently conducted a survey just to gauge the public's perceptions of farmers and ranchers and their sustainability practices. And what we found is more than half of adults, 58%, rate the sustainability practices of farmers positively. We've got broad agreement from a majority of adults adults across demographic groups that trust farmers. He says nine in 10 adults trust farmers, which is 4% higher than the last survey that AFB took in June. While farmers can always improve their sustainability, Newton says the poll shows that Americans don't think farmers should have to bear the cost of doing so by themselves. The public doesn't believe that we need to go it alone. I think they recognize that climate smart technology adoption is a public good. Seven in 10 adults say government incentives to encourage farmers to adopt additional sustainable ag practices would be effective in improving environmental sustainability in agriculture. Newton also says Americans understand farms must be economically sustainable as well as environmentally sustainable. Four and five adults, they understand the importance of feeding the world, and then they also understand the importance of farmers being able to pass their farm down to future generations and keeping that farm in the family. Chad Smith, Washington. Hunters and campers are being encouraged to do their part to prevent wildfires this fall and winter. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. And low blood calcium causes milk fever and is very common in dairy cows. 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd looks at why this occurs. Coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, I grew up milking cows on a dairy, so I'm all too familiar with milk fever. It's common in dairy cows, and it's caused by low blood calcium. But what causes that low blood calcium? Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at the problem. Dr. Goff believes the problem is metabolic alkalosis. As he indicates, the cows are alkalotic as a result of potassium in the forages they are fed prior to calving. Metabolic alkalosis occurs when the blood pH is higher than normal, and this blocks the action of a hormone called parathyroid hormone that regulates calcium levels in the blood. So when lots of the cow's calcium is lost in the milk at the onset of lactation, the cow's body cannot adapt and the blood calcium drops, causing hypocalcemia or milk fever to develop. To prevent this scenario, he recommends feeding low potassium hay and avoid spreading manure on fields that are used to raise hay. Also, harvest grasses when more mature, as they contain less potassium, and use warm season grasses versus cool season grasses. Many nutritionists also calculate the cation anion difference in the diet to make sure the cow's urine pH is 6 to 6.6 the week prior to calving, which will decrease the chance of milk fever. Another option is to bind the cow's dietary calcium 10 days prior to calving to trick her body into thinking the calcium is low and it needs to retain more calcium from the diet and resorb some calcium from the bones. It has been known for a long time that giving extra calcium caused milk fever to occur after calving, but binding the available calcium goes a step further. Certainly an extra dietary source of magnesium should be added as cows low in magnesium commonly also develop calcium problems. Lastly, administer oral calcium boluses every 12 to 24 hours after calving for a few days to increase the calcium levels in the blood. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hunters and campers are encouraged to do their part to prevent wildfires this fall and winter. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The Texas A&M Forest Service is urging hunters and outdoor enthusiasts to do their part to prevent wildfires this year. About 90% of wildfires in Texas are caused by people and their activities. And with the drought spreading and intensifying, it is critical that everyone heed the warning. The Forest Service and Texas Parks and Wildlife Department encourage hunters to be cautious with campfires and all activities that could spark a wildfire, including using certain ammunition. Jacketed bullets and high-velocity ammunition should be avoided when fire danger is high. Target practice should take place over gravel and away from dry vegetation. Texans are encouraged to avoid driving over and parking on dry grass as the heat from a vehicle can easily ignite it. Be ready to put out a fire should one start. Have a shovel and water and fire extinguisher with you. Be sure to check with local fire officials for burn bans or outdoor burning restrictions. Some counties may restrict open flames or other heat-causing activities. 
When using a campfire or cooking outdoors, never leave it unattended. Always make sure it is completely out by drowning it, stirring it, and feeling to ensure it is out cold before leaving it. If you're taking a trailer with you, make sure all tires are properly inflated, chains will not contact the road, and any loose metal will not continually hit anything else, all of which may cause sparks. Additional information on preventing wildfires in Texas is available on the Texas A&M Forest Service website. Still need a hunting or fishing license? You can buy one on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Simply click Buy a License. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We had a pretty good week in the cattle trade. However, on Friday, things seemed to fall apart. We were sharply lower in cattle futures, and that put pressure on the cash market. The cotton market also drifted lower throughout the week, so we'll take a look back at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup Jim. today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train that's 18 football fields it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a fairly good week in the cattle market. We kicked things off on Monday with a big jump to the upside. We were able to hang on to those gains throughout most of the week. However, on Friday, things just kind of fell apart. We ended up closing lower on all of our live and feeder cattle contracts. $2 and more to the lower side. December live cattle dropping 205 Friday, closing at 109.92. February down 257, 112.22. April live cattle down 215 at 116.20. November feeder cattle dropping 260, 137.47. January feeders down 285 at 137.87. The March contract down 255 at 137.15. Cash-fed cattle market, fairly quiet throughout the week. We did see a few sales reported on a live basis in Nebraska, those cattle selling at 110. However, the feedlot's asking 112 to 114, so still a standoff, waiting for some action to happen. Boxed beef prices mixed. Choice down 6 cents, 226.44. Select up $1.57, 209.81. Let's check a couple of auction markets now. We'll start up in the Panhandle Tulia Livestock Auction, Tulia, Texas, selling 2,426 head. Three to 400 pound steers range from $1.69 to $1.70. Four to five weight steers, $1.48 to $1.54. Five to 600 pounders bought $1.37 to $1.49. Six to seven weight steers, $1.25 to $1.36. Seven to eight hundred pounders brought a dollar twenty-five to a dollar forty, and a few eight to nine hundred pound steers brought a dollar nineteen to a dollar thirty a pound. 
And let's do our weekly check of the sheep and goat market at the nation's largest sheep and goat auction, Producers Livestock in San Angelo. They sold 5,982 head of sheep and goats. Compared to the previous week, the wooled feeder lambs sold 10 to $20 higher. Slaughter hair lambs were 10 to 20 higher on the lighter weights and as much as 20 lower on the heavier weights. Slaughter ewes were mostly steady. Kid goats, 10 to $15 higher, except on the feeder kids. They sold 30 to 50 higher. Slaughter nannies, $1.20 to $1.74, mostly $145 to $165. Mature billies, $170 to $220. Wooled feeder lambs, $1.80 to $295. On the slaughter lambs, the lighter weights, $220 to $328. Heavier weight slaughter lambs, $1.60 to $2.54. Slaughter ewes, $0.70 to $1.26. Kid goats, $2.20 to $3.60, mostly $2.70 to $3.35. Now back over to the futures market. Lean hogs close the week lower with December lean hogs down $0.90, February down $2.15, Class 3 milk was lower Friday. November contract down 24 cents, 23.13.100. December Class 3 milk down 75 at 17.71 a hundred weight. The cotton market drifted lower throughout most of the week. Friday was no exception. We did end lower. USDA released its weekly export sales report a day late. It was on Friday morning. It was an improvement over the previous week. Pakistan noted as the top buyer. December cotton down two points, ending the week at 68.46. March cotton down 22 points at 70.40 cents. It was quite a volatile week in the grain markets. It all started on Tuesday with that USDA crop production and supply and demand report. We saw prices move sharply higher Tuesday. Then they drifted lower through the middle of the week, only to take another jump on Friday. Kansas City wheat ending higher with December wheat up eight cents, five fifty two a bushel. New crop July wheat up seven and three quarters, five seventy and three quarters. December corn up two and a quarter. Finishing at 4.10 and a half. In the energy markets, December natural gas was unchanged at 2.97. December crude oil down 90 cents, 40.22 a barrel. The financial markets higher, with the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 402 at 29,483. The Nasdaq up 94 points, 11,803, while the S&P 500 was up 44. 3,581. Well, that wraps up our look at the Friday markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to check us out next time. We'll be right here waiting to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.